Welcome back to the On The Rocks podcast, a podcast all about life, love, and the pursuit of a great cocktail. I'm your host, Vanessa Rock. Here we are. It's October 27th, and you're listening to The Daily. (laughs) What am I saying? I don't know. I've recently really gotten into The Daily, which is a New York Times podcast, and if you don't listen to it, you really should, especially during these times. Um, And it really informs me and like makes me feel a lot more aware of my, I don't know, place in the world and my experience and just like what's actually going on. And they have really interesting, introspective views. And I just find it highly, highly uh, entertaining. Yeah, I guess entertaining is a word. It's an important lesson and I highly recommend. But right now I'm currently in a different location because I'm sitting on my brand new couches. I had to buy new couches for a specific reason. Uh, I had a roommate move out and she had the couch and a chair. So I had to replace those things and get them for myself. So I got myself the most wonderful, lovely couches that I'm obsessed with. And I got them in a set from like Jerome's, which I, I don't know if that's like a national brand, but Jerome's. And uh, they're like new biggest purchase I think I've ever made on my own and I'm obsessed with them it's like so many options for seating like I'm currently sitting like in the corner of the love seat instead of like the couch because there's a couch and a love seat and they're blue and they're modern and I post about them on my Instagram so yeah I'm actually just obsessed they're beautiful and I will be devastated if anything happens to them but they're really heavy like sturdy things I put them together yesterday on my own they got delivered and they bring them into your house and like set them down but they basically come with the entire top assembled and you just put the legs on which is like easy peasy great amazing uh and you pay like 40 dollars for delivery or you could pay like 120 bucks and they put it together for you and i was like well i don't got money dripping out of my poor girlfriend like this is expensive so i'm gonna do the self-assemble for 40 bucks so i did that and if I had money, I would not have done that because I apparently don't know how to put legs of couches on. I literally spent three hours putting like the legs on the couch because I kept putting them on wrong. Literally messed up after I had done it correctly. I don't, I, don't, I can't even explain how frustrating it was. Um, and then I went to go throw the huge boxes in the recycling which proved to be a massive undertaking and I did not expect. They're heavy boxes, like I'd say like 20 pounds. I may not know how to estimate weight correctly, but like I'm pretty sure 20 pounds is like an accurate description. And my recycling bin is like an average size, you know what I mean? And so I went out to take it out there. The first one didn't fit, the one that had the big sofa in it. So I had to rip it up and it was really hard, and I was, like, punching it and, like, ripping it, and I got a little, like, aggression out, but there was this couple on the balcony. There's only, like, two people in our entire apartment complex that have balconies, and one of them overlooks the trash area, which I'm, like, that sucks. Like, I would hate to have a balcony that just, like, overlooked the trash area, but they're sitting there, and I don't notice until I'm, like, done with both of these boxes, like, ripping them, throwing them in, like, huffing and puffing, looking like crap. My curtain bangs, like, all over the place, are on a date, like obviously on a date, like it's awkward small talk. And they watched the whole thing and they didn't clap for me. So whatever, (laughs) my neighbors, come on. Like I would have clapped for me if I was them, like make me feel better, but you know, whatever, it's fine. It went okay. (laughs) I have my couches now, I'm sitting on them. And they're like, let me give you a description. 
like a nice, like almost tealish blue. They're very firm, which I really like in a couch, surprisingly. They just have like one bench seat almost on both of them, like no uh, things you can take off, which I'm a big fan of because I feel like it's the most functional. Like, why am I going to take off the, the couch cushions? Come on. Like, what's the reasoning? You know what I mean? So no couch cushions. It's all one piece, but it's comfy and like kind of bouncy, you know, when you sit on it. And like, I don't know, just like a girl's dream. A girl's dream is to get some really nice couches and I'll have them forever. And that's exciting because I mean, right, we're in our 20s. Well, I I don't know about any of my listeners where you're at. But if you've ever had roommates moved experiences and like just – You know, it's uncertain and there's a lot that changes quickly and I've experienced this recently and, you know, having stuff that is your own is so, so nice because you know for sure, regardless of where you go, where you end up, like you have these things and like they are yours and like, well, that adds responsibility. It also makes you feel like more of an adult and it like adds this cool like layer to, I don't know, life that like you are becoming an adult, you're growing and you're buying furniture. Like, wow, that's my two cents on furniture. (laughs) So I am recording, you know, this is a different location because I kind of need to change the scenery. When I record at my desk, I swear it gets so glum so quick because I'm just staring at a wall and I'm like, okay, let's think about how deep I can take this podcast and like (laughs) how like boringly like melancholy I can sound. Well, I don't think that, but that's just like how it turns out because I'm just kind of staring at a wall and I'm thinking critically. Like when I sit at my desk, I think very critically. It's like my work desk. It's where I do school. It's where I like plan episodes and it's not like a fun place. So I wanted to bring it out to a fun place today because life has not been fun lately and I think a lot of us can relate to that so that's kind of the whole gist of today's episode is talking about challenges that I know a lot of us face in the perspective of me like what I'm kind of going through in my experience and ways that I've learned to combat this time of uncertainty uh and navigate this chaotic season of my life because it has been a very chaotic season And I think we all go through different seasons or specific moments in life and they can be more impactful than others or we just have more things happen within one period of time that happen within the entire year, right? Like it just happens. And I'm currently in one of those chaotic seasons where so much is happening that I am kind of not able to fully grasp or conceptualize all of it. And there are obvious reasons for that. And it's just been an interesting time while also navigating the external factors we deal with in life. Uh, One of them being the presidential election, which and I guess external is the right word to use because, I mean, we don't really have a ton of control in it. We just kind of have to do our due diligence and hope for the best. And humans like regardless of if you're a controlling person or not we function on control because that's how we live like we wake up and we have control of things we have control over and a lot of the time we don't have control over certain things and i know a lot of us do like have more problems with control than others but it is like a phenomenon that like we all 
like to have control over our lives and we like to focus on that kind of stuff. And right now, I mean, we have almost very little control unless you live in a swing state and your vote will like potentially tip the scales, which is a incredibly, uh, you know, important role to have. But right now in the world, right, we're seven days away. Wait, so this episode comes out Thursday. We're less than a week away from the presidential election, about five days, uh, until November 3rd, which is like the official election day where you can go in person to vote. And that breeds a lot of uncertainty. And it is, it is something that's kind of wild to think about. And it's caused a lot of stress, I know, to a lot of people, including myself, and it's making me think very critically about steps that, you know, I potentially have to take after the fact to protect the rights of myself and others. I'm thinking about organizations I want to donate to and ways that I can potentially help uh, in any way. I've been like a relatively active person within this presidential election. Like I'm volunteering and I'm talking to people and I'm having difficult conversations. And, you know, I'm not like, I don't know, is there a Mother Teresa of politics? No, like I literally know nothing. And I'm, you know, just doing my like base level, I think, like due diligence. And I do think very, what is the word? Not strongly, not passionately. Uh, I think a lot about politics at the moment. Like, this is something that is currently on my mind frequently because it is something that's happening and affecting so many people. And so as this election approaches, we're going to have either a huge shift in a more positive direction or we're going to have more of the same, which is in any way going to uh, provide unrest within our society and in- probably increase divisiveness Uh at least in the short term. So I just wanted to kind of bring up the fact that we're living in this because it is so prevalent. And yesterday, a really prevalent example, why am I using the word prevalent so much? Uh, Really, I guess, a good example of this divisiveness and this uh, kind of unrest full time is Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed to the Supreme Court uh, by very close vote. I think it was 50 to 48, 52 to 48. If I'm not right, I let me look this up. 52 to 48, which is actually insane. So that it just it shows that there is a lot going on within our political system. And even if you're not a political person or you choose not to engage, these things that are happening right now are currently affecting you or someone you know. And you may not have complete awareness of that, but that doesn't make it any less true. And I think something that like I'm I'm taking forward is just understanding my place within all of this and using that to benefit those who do not have as much of an advantage as I do as a white middle class woman who is college educated and has a lot of opportunity. I come from a very privileged place and a lot of the things that are happening right now aren't necessarily detrimental to my well-being besides the fact that I'm a woman. And so what I'm looking to do is place my concern and my interest for politics or like my desire to change things uh 
towards the benefit of others that are less advantaged uh, than me. So I just am moving forward with this mindset of like, we have to pay attention to the things that are happening because there are more people who are disadvantaged than there are advantaged and those people need our attention. So that's how I'm like functioning through the uncertainty right now and just trying to maintain as much of a positive understanding of things as I can because I mean as this election approaches there's like a 50-50 chance of one person being elected or another and right now there's polls and there's a bunch of things that are saying otherwise right but like really like at this point it's anyone's game in my opinion and that's just kind of how I'm looking at it so it doesn't completely overwhelm me if one thing doesn't go my way uh, but there are things that uh, are within our realm of control that, you know, go along the lines of our perspective on things and the way that we hope to view it now and afterwards, and at least setting intention to look towards the light in any way, uh, if it does go negatively against your own political beliefs. So just wanted to put that out there, that there are ways, you know, we can work to benefit those whose lives potentially could be elected if Trump is elected again. And there are, um, you know, things that we can do internally to navigate this time as human beings because it is a very sensitive time. And I'm there with ya. I am like kind of like scratching my arms talking about it. It's like an anxious tick uh, just because it makes me nervous. And I, and I want to be doing more and I want to be doing enough and um, I just want to make sure that I'm discussing it in a way that's approachable and all of these things. And, and you know, like one thing I've realized over the last, like even just two episodes of my podcast is that I've been avoiding publicly speaking on like any topic that makes me feel like shit uh, because it it does, like it does that exact thing. It makes me feel like shit to discuss these things that are so heavy because they're so heavy. What? Does that make sense? Like it's just, I, I did a Q&A episode. I did an episode with my mom. Like I love these like episodes, but they're fun and lighthearted. And right now, like we're in this time of uncertainty. It's nice to look towards that, you know, lightness, but it's also important to inform ourselves and stay, you know, on top of our, awareness like we got to have some like balance right that's the whole purpose of freaking life so balance whatever okay <laughs> let's keep this topic going and I'm really glad I moved to this spot because I feel so much more lighthearted. I feel like in a weird way I'm sitting on my couch talking to a friend even though I'm not at all I'm just talking to my microphone but it is helping my mentality so what did I write down to talk about today I want to discuss my journey in therapy a bit uh, talk about some current events in my life. Um, so like I mentioned, I'm sitting on my brand new couches. I've had to buy a few new things for the apartment. I got a new like wine cork. I got some plates. I got a new, um, what's it called? What are this called? When you walk in a doormat, there we go. It says, hope you brought wine, which is very on brand for me. I had to get a new Wi-Fi like router thing. It was like not working. Uh, and so I changed the name to On The Rocks, which is, again, on brand. I just love this for me. And I went on a staycation this weekend. I needed to get out of that house. And I know I'm so lucky to be able to have done that. It made me really nervous. I stayed at a hotel, but I didn't, like, talk to anyone. And I stayed at, a, like, a decently nice hotel, but it was so inexpensive. Like, 
not a best western but like not a hilton but like nice and i didn't really see anyone in the hallways it was like basically empty and i didn't ride the elevator with anyone it was nice and i got to explore the village of carlsbad up in northern san diego northern san diego north county san diego uh and it was really cool i got to like eat lots of good food and just kind of be with myself. I did a lot of overthinking. I bought a book that I started reading about how to not give a F. And then uh, I started over started giving an F and I had to put the book down. But I will get back to it. So I'm going to get there, right? I'm going to get back to it. But right now, I am not in a place to learn about how to not give an F because I'm giving too much of an F. So I need to give like a little bit less of an F and then I'll start like reading it again probably like tomorrow I like needed a couple days (laughs) but yeah I have a lot of life changes I am in the process of like looking for a new roommate and getting my apartment cleaned and together lots of maintenance people have been here today and just like kind of fixing stuff up which is you know exciting it's nice to have like clean spaces and things that are like nice and I spent a lot of time this weekend cleaning the apartment and and working on repurchasing things and and just like realizing what I don't have that my roommate did that I need you know what I mean like a couch (laughs) so yeah it's just kind of like this weird transition period and I mentioned that it's chaotic and uh it is hard currently I'm not having the best time just because there is so much going on and having you know conflict with people doesn't really like sit well with me I don't enjoy it uh and looking at everything from both sides even when you are in a situation is something I'm I'm working to do so I'm just kind of in a state of like self-reflection currently while also like trying to manage my emotions and my life and all the things that I do and have like responsibilities for uh just try not to be overwhelmed I guess I guess that's like my main uh vein there my main point but yeah so I have been going to therapy now let's jump into this conversation uh for wow I don't know if I, there's exact pinpoint of when I started. May, I'm going to say, let's look it up. I can like pinpoint everything. I've been like a Google Calendar user now for about a year and I'm obsessed with it and it's really helped me. Yeah, I guess since June, the end of June, uh, July, August, September, October, about four months now and therapy has been a life changer for me and truly has benefited my life in more ways than I can even explain. So let's talk a little bit about like uh, my experience now because I have talked about like why I started. It was essentially to benefit myself in the short term and long term and learn how to cope with my experiences in the past and the current and relationships was a big one. I was struggling. I still am struggling with anxiety. So just like things that I knew I wanted to talk to someone about and luckily enough like I have insurance that helps me out with my therapy and I have a really great therapist like first one I ever tried and like love her big fan we do telehealth like online therapy and yeah so 
I mentioned that I was starting and like these were my reasons and I'm sure uh, an episode in June, I think that was probably the last time I really dived into it. So yeah, I think I've just been kind of writing out the process. I've explained some things I've learned, but it is very personal to talk about therapy and it is kind of like a vent sesh of all your problems, right? I mean, at least like sometimes that's how it is for me. It's like, I come in and I share my moral dilemma of the week and then we work to incorporate it to the goals that I have, which are working through anxiety and my relationships. So yeah, it's been really good. And I can genuinely say that I have learned a lot about myself. I've learned the good, the bad, the ugly, and I have become a lot more aware of you know, myself and situations and other people, everyone's emotions and learning how to balance. I'm a pretty empathetic person. I would go as far to say maybe I'm empathic. I have, let's just like tell you all my problems. <laughs> my therapist would be like, girlfriend, you probably shouldn't tell everyone this, but I tend to have some people pleasing things and I am a perfectionist. And it's like type A 101 with Vanessa Rock. <laughs> I'm very type A and I care a lot about a lot of things. And I am working on learning how to express that care, how to build a foundation. Uh, I tend to be a more of a reactive person than a preventative person, someone who like prepares for, you know, life's things. I just kind of like have them happen, react, fix, change, adapt, and it can be detrimental. I'm sure if you know anything about being like somewhat reactive or like just trying to always be perfect, then you have an awareness of what this is like. But yeah, I've been um, working on a lot of different things. And I think one thing that's really interesting about my therapist who I really like is that she is someone who is a client-based therapist. There are different types of therapists. She's an MFT, so a marriage and family therapist. And you can go to see a psychologist. You can see, you know, a behavior person. There are lots of different aspects. I wish I could get into specifics. I didn't prepare notes for that. Uh, uh, But I know I can in the future if you're interested. But mine is an MFT, and she works towards like client base. So if I come in to the session with a problem, we start with that and then we try to adapt or maneuver. But when I don't come in with a problem, then we kind of like go to the the things we're working on and we find what's most prevalent currently and we try to tweak and, and kind of go from there. So it's very much like what I need in the moment, which is the best part of therapy for me because as much as like I have long term goals, my short term comprehension of things is something that like I really wanted to work on and I really wanted to learn how to manage my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts and how to better like I don't know, uh, what's the word? Better manage myself uh within the current moment. And that has been a really big focus over the last few months and I've learned a lot about my anxiety as well. So my most prevalent lesson that I've learned in therapy is this concept of personal responsibility, which I want to talk about uh, because I've talked a bit about it, but I want to make sure I kind of go more into it because this has like really been a bouncing board. <laughs> what? Like, I don't know. I guess a launch pad into my understanding of my relationships, which has been the biggest uh, concept I've talked about. 
um, in therapy because it's something I I strive to work on every day. And it's something that like in your early 20s, you tend to lose people. We're going in and out of seasons. We are learning that, you know, those core friends that we've had may not necessarily be there forever. We're learning the differences between people who have big groups of friends, people who have one or two close friends, people who have a lot of acquaintances. And we're trying to figure out where we fall within that and navigating our relationships is a huge part of our 20s, 30s, of our lives. And that was one of the reasons I started this podcast was to touch on my relationships with things, whether that was my relationship with alcohol or my relationship with myself. Uh, and so my relationship, you know, with other people have been a point of contention for me. And I'm honest about that and I'm open about it because I believe that a lot of people go through this and they don't discuss how isolating and... Um, kind of scary it can be to navigate relationships in your your early 20s as we're figuring out who we who we are on our own like base level because we don't really know who we are having these friendships and and like learning who we like who we don't what we like about people what we don't what our boundaries are what our expectations are and managing all of those things can get really messy and for me they have so the one thing that I've like kind of started to really get into and my therapist is really big on is this idea of personal responsibility and this has helped me within my concept just even of relationship because as a person as I you know as Vanessa I tend to overestimate my responsibility within situations and I tend to get overwhelmed and assume that I am always, you know, the main source of the problem. Don't know where this roots from, but you know, when you get in a fight, you're like, oh, I could have done this different. I could have done that different. Or like, um, I should have said this, or this happened because I did this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what we fail to realize is this concept of a two-way street, right? We hear this constantly. Relationships are a two-way street. Like everyone has their own story. It's there's two sides to every story. And there are these blanket statements, but what I like to go into a little bit more with that and what I'm going into currently within my current situation is uh, personal responsibility, which is basically being more objective about situations that we're in, which allow us to move through those experiences, process, and understand both sides. So, uh, like, take for example... You get into a fight with your boyfriend about something stupid. He says a bunch of things, you say a bunch of things, and at the end of the day, you sit there and you overthink and you worry and you're like, oh my God, I should have done something different and I did everything wrong and I provide him empathy and I understand and I forgive him, but I don't forgive myself and I'm going to hold this against myself. And I do that constantly within everything, like every relationship, I always, you know, overestimate my responsibility within it. And I fail to realize that other people also must be held accountable for, you know, their actions as well. And so it's more of an internal thing. I don't think you can express personal responsibility to someone if they're not willing to take it. But what I do is I take responsibility for my portion of things. So my ex-boyfriend, for example, we had a lot of issues. We had a lot of things that went wrong in our relationship. Uh, and they were very big life things that neither of us could control. And so within the ending of that relationship, I tended to overestimate what I did wrong within it. So I was like, I was this, I was needy, or I pushed him away, or I did this. And I failed to 
like analyze, you know, what his actions were within the relationship as well. And it made me really afraid to get back out there because I put a lot of blame on myself for the relationship ending. And so instead of doing that, what I could have done was say like, okay, here's a hundred percent of what went wrong. And this is not an accurate, I'm just like trying to do math here. This is not exactly what happened in the relationship. So I had 50% of the responsibility within that relationship and I messed up 30% of it. So I take full responsibility for that 30% of what went wrong within my actions and I own that and I accept the consequences and that is, you know, my truth and that is how I see the ending. And that other 70%, whether 20% of it I did well, 50% of it was his, is not mine to own. It is there, it is within the sphere of what happened, but I own what I did and what I know to be true and that is how I see it and that is how I've learned to not overwhelm myself with guilt and shame and feel this like overwhelming sense of like I messed up because that that saying like relationships are a two-way street is very true there are two sides to every story. You know, when you have a breakup, your boyfriend's going to go tell every single person in his life what happened, and you're going to go tell every single person in your life what happened. And those narratives are different because each person experienced their own truth and their own, you know, responsibility, and that's how they perceive it. But when we over attribute these things to ourselves we weigh ourselves down and we like have this like heavy weight on our shoulders that make us feel like we are not enough going forward and we don't know how to focus or what to pinpoint or what to work on we just know that it failed and we fear what could fail in the future and I fear that now within my friendships and that's something I'm working on within therapy and that's the whole point of why I'm talking about personal responsibility because like I am someone who blames myself, but I found this so beneficial because it makes me take a step back and go, okay, here's what I'm telling myself because it's what actually happened to me. And it helps implement change because you can now see, okay, this 3% of my responsibility are things I need to put on a table and look at and be like, here's something that I did that I didn't like. Here's something that I would not do in the future. Here's something that I understand but can change. And these make things attainable and you can work towards like choosing and fixing them. Because another thing that I've experienced recently is other people's truth being put upon us. When uh, we share vulnerabilities with people and we share and we're open like I am on this podcast, we then give people ammo. And when things end, they then turn this ammo around on us. And one of my insecurities is, you know, within relationships because I've had a lot of turmoil in my young 20s. And I had that turned around against me and someone say, I finally understand why this happens to you uh, because of their personal experience within a conflict. And it, it was like, Ooh, very targeted, like, ouch, like a nice, like, little hit on the chin. And it made me think very critically about, you know, my experience and my sharing of an insecurity and how, like, I can take responsibility for what's true within that. 
but I can't, you know, take ownership of the way it was directed or, you know, their intention behind that because that comes from projection within themselves. Like that's just something that they have to work through and that they're, you know, using against you. And what you can take from that is like, okay, I own 20% of your statement and I see it, I accept it, I acknowledge it to be true to me and everything else I'm going to just like leave with you and I go, I'm going to move forward. And I'm saying this in a positive way, but it was super hurtful and I just like want to be open about the fact that like we experience a lot in our lives. We experience a lot of different relationships and conflict and misunderstanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're told a lot of things about ourselves uh, and we're told that we're this and we're that and we are this person. And well, what I'm trying to convey is that this is something I'm working on. Something I just experienced was that exact thing. I was told a lot of things about myself that I had to look at very critically and I'm continuing to have to do. And I'm saying, okay, here's an open hand. This is my therapist tells me, so take this from her you have two open hands and you put them together like you have a cup of like water if you're like trying to like cup water to hold it in your hands and what someone says to you is all in those hands and what is true is something you can look at and visually see and the rest can fall through your hands because it's not your truth and not how you understand your perspective but you know it's important to take constructive criticism even if it's not constructive like taking things like and working through them is something that will never, you know, go against you. You will never regret thinking more critically and working on yourself more. I think we all want to like understand and learn. And there's times where we can't. And there's times where people can't understand or like get me. But, you know, that's not my responsibility. And it's our responsibility to take ownership of what we've done and like what our truth is and the you know feedback we get is filtered through or should be filtered through to the point where it doesn't overwhelm us to take what other people say and put it to our truth because if I live my life to what everyone else says then I you know am an anxious sensitive overthinking you know selfish human being and I if those are the words I use to describe myself, like, that's mean. It's just negative. Like, those words are just negative. And it would overwhelm me. It would make me scared. It would, like, put me in a place of shame and make me afraid to go back out and, and, and like, form new connections. So, I guess let's talk about shame in a theory-based way because I think I've gotten to this point where I'm starting to understand shame and the shame I live with you know even on my own uh because I'm working to build this better foundation and and how I can present myself and my boundaries and who I am and you know be okay with that even if I don't get the greatest feedback like guys like listen we at the end of the day are literally with ourselves 24-7, if I take what people say and use that to build a coat of shame, I'm going to hate my life. And like, I'm not someone who wants to hate my life. So how can I build this like foundation? How can I understand who I am in a better way? And how can I be resilient? And so we're going to be talking about a theory 
today that is by Brene Brown. And I know you guys have heard of Brene Brown before, I'm sure, but she uh, did this in her doctoral work. And I find uh, research really interesting because I'm a communication major and because I do this kind of stuff, I like have to read this kind of stuff. But I find this theory so interesting and so pertinent to my current situation. And I know a lot of people's situation. So let's talk about it. Uh, So Shame resilience theory, essentially, I have a bunch of bullet points. Let me try to like explain this the best way I can. Um, shame is defined uh, as a functional emotion that is similar to feelings of guilt and disgrace. They can occur from, you know, appearance and body image, in our sexuality, in our faith, in our professional identity, and our mental and physical health, and our relationships within our age, and our trauma, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shame can happen in any place because it is put upon us uh, by others or ourselves. And anytime we open ourselves up to connection, we have to understand that there is a chance that shame can come from it. Uh, maybe the concept of understanding consequence because as people we want to connect and open ourselves up, but we have to realize that there is an aspect that can come back to bite us in the ass in every way, almost all of the time. That's just like the truth. So uh, shame can occur in all aspects of our lives. And a lot of us feel this within our failures. And for me, this is within relationship failures. And we all experience shame differently. And it's all based on our geolocation and our, you know, identity and our understanding of self and our experience. And shame can result in isolation and severely affect our mental health and ability to accomplish what we want. So the shame resilience theory Uh, is a study of strategies that we employ when we feel trapped, powerless, and isolated, which go along with shame. So keep in mind the word resilience while we go through all of these things. So the first step, there are four steps um, in providing resilience, understanding of what shame is and how we experience. So the first one is recognizing and accepting personal vulnerability. All of us are vulnerable to experiences of shame and our shame triggers. When we recognize the emotional and physical signs of shame, we have the chance to understand what's happening and why, and to seek help. Conversely, when we fail to acknowledge shame, we are taken off guard. We are flooded with overwhelming emotions, and we fail to recognize what we are feeling. The second point is... Raising critical awareness regarding social, cultural experience surrounding shame is the ability to link how we are personally feeling with society's sometimes conflicting and shaming expectation of us as individuals because we see the big picture and we contextualize. The third point is forming mutually empathetic relationships that facilitate reaching out to others. When we reach out for support, we may receive empathy, which is incompatible with shame and judgment. And we recognize that our most isolating experiences are also the most universal. We recognize that we are not defective or alone in our experience, so we normalize that. And the fourth 
aspect is speaking shame, possessing the language and emotional competence to discuss and deconstruct shame. By learning the language of shame, we learn to draw distinctions between shame, guilt, embarrassment, and humiliation. We can name shame by separating it from secondary emotions such as anger, fear, and isolation. We learn to ask for what we need. We learn and share what we know with others. And this helps us to uh, contextualize as well. So basically, the goal of shame resilience theory is uh, to get to the point where we, instead of feel shame, feel empathy, connection, power, and freedom. So let's go over like the steps again, just in more simple terms, because I know that was a lot. But essentially, we are recognizing the personal vulnerability that led to this feeling of shame. And we are recognizing the external factors that lead to the feelings of shame. And we are connecting with others to receive and offer empathy. And then we are discussing and deconstructing the feelings of shame themselves. So here we are. That was a theory I wanted to explain to you. But what an interesting way to look at things. And I think shame is something that is unique to all of us. And I don't think that like providing a specific definition about we feel shame is necessarily beneficial. I know I can speak from feeling shame within failure of relationships can be detrimental to me and it makes me feel scared about reaching out and I feel alone sometimes. And that's where I feel shame at the current moment. And so what I'm doing is I'm recognizing like where I'm vulnerable, like what is this hitting and uh, what is this triggering? And so that I'm recognizing like what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I have to cry or just like sit in my room or like why I'm feeling this way. Like I'm starting to like get why I'm feeling shame. Okay, I'm making those connections. It's all coming like to fruition and that's something that like has been really beneficial with with my current situation is just like understanding where I'm at and my personal perspective and how I feel about it. Do I feel sad? Do I feel guilty? Do I feel hurt? Like what do I feel and like putting names to those things and then looking at the external factors that are leading to this. Okay, what was the current situation that caused this? Like what like is my truth uh in the big t- like long picture big long picture whoop you know what I'm saying and then I'm reaching out to people so I am talking to my friends I call my mom I am expressing my anger I'm going through my like kind of like feelings of what are the stages of grief you know those kind of things and I'm learning that like all of these things that I'm feeling internally and I am so consistently worried about. And they're like, girlfriend, like, you know who you are. You know these things about you. You know your strengths and you're going to move through this. And like, how can I feel shame when I'm met with this positive reinforcement? Uh, so it, it kind of balances, it kind of like neutralizes it for me. It's like, okay, it's still there. I'm still feeling it. I'm still worried about my future relationships. But I'm also realizing the people I have in my life who are there to support me are those who I should focus on regardless of what has happened to me in the past, whether that's like my ex-boyfriend or a past failed friendship, things like that. Um, And then when we talk about discussing and deconstructing these feelings of shame, that also goes into, you know, who you talk to about it, what context you're talking about it. Like I'm coming to my podcast to deconstruct my sense of shame by explaining a theory. And I'm just 
getting over this fear of expressing my humanity and learning that I do that and I am an open, expressive person and I share a lot. And I'm learning to accept that like, this helps me. This helps me to make sense of my human experience. And it's helped me to form my most important and cherished bonds because I'm open, honest, and I just like say, you know, who I am, even if I fear the judgment of or the shame of others looking at me as like, oh, she, you know, has problems with friendships or, oh, this happened to her in her past or a boyfriend broke up with her, you know, like I'm just like saying it how it is, speaking my truth and learning to understand my humanity and that is how I deconstruct my shame. And these are things that are still in progress, right? Like I'm literally talking about this in my podcast in the midst of shame and the feelings of uncertainty, being in limbo, like just kind of at this weird state. But I'm doing that because it is who I am. It is what I want to discuss. And I don't want to live in this fear of like being too truthful because I know for me, it's how I currently connect and feel and empathize and value others. It, that That's that's exactly how I connect with people. And so if I'm going to connect with myself and I'm going to work on my relationship in this uncertain time with myself, then I have to be truthful to me. Sometimes you have to do what's best for you, even if you fear the outcome. And I think I've done a lot of that lately. And I've received a lot of feedback that doesn't necessarily align with how I view myself. But I'm learning and I'm processing and I'm dealing with this shame and these feelings and I'm just being Vanessa and I'm going to keep being Vanessa because I can't stop doing that and I can't live in this like like state that makes me so unhappy and scared. So I wanted to share those things today and I hope they resonated with you uh, and you find yourself understanding your your place your perspective and how you cope deal and uh in the future work through your shame uh and yeah and as I grow and develop my podcast and I learn more about like where I want to take it I want to just do what's truthful to me in the moment and I've said this multiple times but if I'm feeling like talking about something, like I'm going to talk about it even if I'm in it because that is on the rocks. We are literally on the rocks currently. Uh, maybe more figuratively on the rocks. We're always figuratively on the rocks unless you're standing on a rock, but you know what I'm saying. We're here. We're honest. We're open. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You resonated. And please feel free to reach out to me if you have a shared similar experience because I'd love to discuss Okay, guys, that wraps it up. Okay.